Welcome to the Social Flight Live podcast, an audio version of our live show, hosted every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern at socialflightlive.com. Social Flight is brought to you by Aspen Avionics, Avidyne, Bose Aviation, Continental Aerospace Technologies, Lightspeed Aviation, Massimo Mighty Sat, Tempest Aero Group, and Whip Air. And now, here's your host, Jeff Simon. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Social Flight Live. I'm Jeff Simon. We have a wonderful show for you this evening. Media sensation Bruno Brasilero is here to join us for the evening. I am so, so excited. He's such a wonderful individual. And uh, so we're going to have a wonderful evening talking about all of these things. His story, it really is truly inspirational. Before we get started, just a few things. First of all, we are in full swing on Social Flight's Fly to Win Challenge. We are currently giving away a Lightspeed Zulu 3 headset. We have given some of these away in the past, and uh, I am thrilled every time that we can pick a winner and, uh, and then give someone else a great prize as part of the Fly to Win Challenge. All you need to do is go and get the free Social Flight mobile app for Apple and Android devices and just fly and check in using that at any airport, even your home airport or one that you just drive to. Just get to an airport and check in there. Um, And then the more that you check in, the more chances that you have as you get into our leaderboard because our uh, folks that make it onto our leaderboard actually get double entries into the Fly to Win Challenge. In addition to that, we are in education season here in the winter with the chilly temperatures in the northern climates, and socialflight.com has so much in our FAA Learning Center. You can get WINGS credits by watching WINGS videos. It automatically goes to your FAA account. If you are an AMP mechanic, you can get AMT, Aviation Maintenance Technician credits for their awards program. And if you're an AMP mechanic with an inspection authorization, well, this is renewal season coming up at the end of March. You need to have your eight hours of education if you use education as your way of renewal. And you can get all of that for free, on demand, on your time, directly through socialflight.com. So be sure to check all of that out. Now, tonight's show is brought to us by Aspen Avionics, a very strong supporter of Social Flight. I'm a huge fan of of Aspen and have been for many years, long before we ever started working with them. I have an Aspen primary flight display, their actual Evolution Max system in the Bonanza that we fly for so much of the work that we do with Social Flight. And there's one you probably have seen from our YouTube channel going into this Mustang happening behind me and getting built. So we've got a great Evolution Max there. I know Bruno flies with one as well. And I'm excited because we're breaking some new news tonight. You've heard this here first, but Aspen just received their FAA approval of a new software release that has some amazing features. Um, First of all, it supports the Garmin GFC 600 autopilot, uh, which is really great. In addition, if you have an Aspen multifunction display on uh, their system, you can now get extended runway center lines on that, and you can do altitude pre-select if you have an autopilot that is one of the TrueTrack or AeroCruise or the Trio autopilots Aspen's now made that possible with this release, 
And uh, uh, I'm not sure if the True Track or the um, uh, Aero Cruise or the Trio have made their changes yet, but it's all going to fall into place now where you can just select uh, the altitude that you want to go to and it'll just take you there right from your primary display. These are features that used to be available only on like jets and extremely expensive autopilots. So uh, real shout out to Aspen there. I absolutely love their products. Be sure to check it out. Now, I would like to begin by introducing uh, my good friend Bruno um, with over 100,000 followers on Instagram and YouTube. Bruno has taken his journey into general aviation and shared it with the world, inspiring others to follow in his footsteps. Uh, you know, he's an instrument rated pilot, uh, a private pilot. He flies a beautiful 1977 Grumman AA5A Cheetah. Bruno's stories and experiences are relatable to everyone. Like most GA pilots, Bruno works a regular nine to five job while pursuing his flying passion in his spare time. And that's what so many of us have to deal with. And his stories have shown the world how general aviation is achievable by anyone with the passion to follow their dreams. It's this passion that has led him to being able to fly over 170 hours and 2,000 miles in 2022. And he's made all that available through his channels on Instagram and YouTube. And there is going to be more to come this year as well. You will see that he is literally one of the nicest people you will ever meet in the world of general aviation. I'm going to bring him on the line now. And please help me welcome to Social Flight Live, my friend, Bruno Brasileto. How are you, sir? Hello, Jeff. Uh, good night. Good night, everyone. Pleased to be on the show. It's such an honor, and I'm looking forward to our chat. Thank, thanks so much, first of all, for taking time to join us. I know you are a, a busy guy, uh, and it's in such a just... I, want, I, I don't want to take this the wrong way, but it's kind of an average guy kind of way. You, you bring this wonderful world of flying down to everyone by starting out and showing this story. So tell us all a little bit about how you got started. I am fascinated by how recent all of this kind of your story, your aviation story and your success is. How did this actually happen? Well, um, thank you for your kind words. I, I found out that I was in love in aviation when I was a five-year-old. Uh, my dad took me to the airport. We were dropping off a business partner of his who was, uh, he used to live in Miami and he was flying back from Sao Paulo, Brazil, where I'm, where I'm uh, from. I was a five-year-old and I remember st like standing on the terrace back then. We still had, had terrace in, in airports. And uh, I was watching planes take off and land, and I went back home, and I was just fascinated by it. And right there and then, I decided I wanted to be a pilot. But then, you know, life happens, and uh, it, it quickly turned out that for me, actually pursuing a career in aviation in Brazil, where I lived, with the, 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 you know, the life that I had, wasn't really possible. I ended up following a totally different career, which is advertising. Um, and uh, I was very fortunate to be successful in their career. And then in 2015, thanks, I received a job opportunity in, in New York, meaning I had the opportunity to, uh, to move from Brazil to the United States. Uh, I did. And when I got here, um, again, life happens. And I actually found myself in a place, in a, in a place in my life, a moment in time, in which it was possible for me to, uh, keep my my job, my nine to five job, but also dedicate time, effort, and even money 
to pursue that long time dream. So 30 years later, uh, I was 35 years old. I called the flight school without not even knowing exactly what I was doing. And uh, I asked him, how do I start? I went through this very uh, uh, meticulous process with the, uh, the TSA because as a foreign student, I had to go through a background check, understandably, get my, 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 uh, my digital, uh, my prints and, and everything uh, get digitally printed. And six months later, I got authorized by the TSA to start taking flight lessons at a specific flight school that I had pointed. So uh, it was January 2019. I, I walked into, you know, I actually entered the plane with the CFI for the first time, took my very first flight lessons. And that's, and that's when I started sharing that journey with, I don't want to say the world, because back then, I, I don't know, I had like 100 followers or something like that. But it, it was such a, a passionate um, subject for me that it made sense that, you know, I was sharing with somebody else, whoever was there to watch it, see it, and, and you know, whatnot. Right. So uh, I started taking my lessons. Five months later, I got my private pilot's license. And like you said, I'm just an average guy. I work nine to five. So that meant that I could only take flight lessons on weekends. Uh, and mind you, New York, you know this very well. You live very close to me. Weather isn't always great, especially in January, February. So I had to dodge a lot of bad weather, make the best of good weather days uh, to actually get my hours, get my lessons, get my flying, my endorsements, everything that I needed. Um, I soloed two months later. Uh, two months after I started, and then five months later, I got my my private license, was which was probably one of the most special days moments in in my life. Wow! Um, I I want to go back for a second and and ask you because I think you know there's this moment where people uh, kind of hit their stride career wise, like you've just talked about, and they have an opportunity to perhaps pursue general aviation at that point. But a lot of people, I don't think we do a good job in reaching those people, right? We, we do young Eagles. We do that. Those types of experiences you described at like five years old of kind of kindling the love of aviation. But unless someone knows someone who's a pilot, there seems to be a very big disconnect between how we get, how we connect with those people. How was it that you got information about what, where to even start, even where an airport was that was for, for small aircraft. How did it work for you to go from, hey, I actually have a little bit of disposable income now and some time. How did you make that connection? I, I think that, um, to, to your point, a lot of people think that they have to spend um, a long time of their life just working, working, working. So then they can get to a point where they can actually enjoy life. Uh, you know, finding a, a kind of a different balance. Um, that's somehow how it worked for me, I, I will say, but I also regret not having perhaps tried this sooner. Um, but I think, you know, uh, everything happens for a reason. I think that when I finally decided to, that I wanted to pursue this, um, I had met a friend at that uh, time that was a pilot, took me on a flight. And uh, that's how I actually, you know, got, I, I, I just got, uh, uh, the, the whole thing that was inside me just ignited at that moment that I was sitting on the right seat, grabbed the, 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 uh, the yoke for, you know, just a, a quick second while I'm in the air. And I knew I had to go back to it. I had to do justice to myself and, you know, uh, justice to my dream and, and, and try to pursue. Um, I, I think I did at the time, and this was uh, 20, 2018, I'll say, 
I did what everybody, anybody would do it, you know, at this time and age. I went to Google. I Googled flight schools in my area. And then I learned that there are lots of different uh, GA airports in Long Island. I, back then I lived in Queens. So Long Island, between Long Island, uh, uh, Eastern New Jersey, and White Plains, there were a bunch of uh, 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 GA airports with, with flight schools in it. I, will, I, I think every GA airport at, at this point has at least one flight school or a few instructors. And I, I literally decided to call one by one. Um, and there happens to be an airport, which, which, which is one of the busiest GA airports in the country, Farmingdale, um, which you may be familiar with. And they have, I think, 10 flight schools. I started there because that was the closest one. I called one flight school after the other. And believe it or not, uh, the one that I picked happened to be the one, uh, I was just speaking with people at this point, but the one that sounded the most sympathetic and nice and polite with me, I was like, you know what, this is the one I like. So I went there, sat down with them, uh, talked to their instructors, talked to the uh, uh, flight school owner, asking the questions like, how do I start? What is the first step? Like, how do I do this? And that's how I got started. They were able to kind of give me, you know, the step by step. Fast forward to today, I get a lot of people on my in social media asking me, how do I start? And my advice to everybody is find a flight school near you no matter where you live in the United States, in Canada, or even Europe, I guarantee there's one 10 miles away at the most, because there will be an airport with a flight school. We just never researched. Go there and ask to talk to any CFI uh, instructor or you know somebody at the flight school, and they will, have to, they will be able to give you a, a lay down of what's ahead of you, the steps that you need to take, and that's the best advice you, know, you can get. I, I, I love that story so much because it, it, it just resonates. It's so many people, I think, when you talk to them, it, first of all, it, they, they have that story from when they were a child. But when they really got into it, they have that story that it often includes, I met another pilot. Like, that's, that was the thing that kind of kindled it and pushed people across. And uh, I wish there were a, a, an even better way to get more pilots out there in person you know, getting more people rides who are, as you mentioned, in their 20s and their 30s and their 40s and, you know, and and saying, let me just take it for a flight. Let me kindle that and and push that 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 first chance. And then, of course, we have this wonderful world, which is, you know, why you're here, your channel, where you can reach so many more people by showing your experience and the fact that it started at a time in your life that can resonate with people, and it's not just aspirational uh, way out there. It, it, I, I think a lot of people have watched your channel. I think you've made a lot of pilots um, at the earlier stages, not kind of the, let me teach you how to fly, but literally let me inspire you to go to a flight school, as you mentioned. And that's, that's just wonderful. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to think that I inspired a lot of people. I get messages proving that because people write me just to say, hey, I, you inspired me to get started or you inspired me to get back into it. You know, I had stopped, I stopped like 20 years ago, 15 years ago. So it's just so fulfilling to see that what am I doing, what am I sharing um, is able to inspire more people. And ultimately, I see a lot of people, uh, I think one of the first stats about aviation that we learned is that only 1% of the world's population are pilots or know how to, how to like fly a plane or a helicopter. And while that's kind of flaring for us who got there, 
it's also a, a big question like why only one percent because i bet there's far more than that there are passionate about aviation that dream about it that think about it but don't know don't don't know how to take the first step or haven't haven't really taken that that you know that leap that is necessary for you to kind of you know get out of your chair get out of your sofa and and, and actually try to sit in an airplane seat for the first time Oh, absolutely. And even though there's so many people who talk about money being what is the the blocking issue that prevents people from, in some cases, getting into it. When I've bumped into people at parties or just events or other things socially, and you end up talking about what it really costs, some of these people have boats and RVs or other types of things, and they go, that's, that's less than what I spend. So mm-hmm. it's not actually prohibitive compared to what people do. I think a lot of it's about awareness. Um, and again, you've shown that in your channel and I think that's really wonderful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there is a, uh, this stigma, uh, from, from outside aviation is, uh, just for the very, the very few that are millionaires or, or have a lot of money. I mean, I, I will say I, for one, I'm definitely not a millionaire. I'm definitely not rich. What I am though, uh, is, uh, conscious about you know how how I uh, I balance my time, my work time versus my flying time, and the choices and prioritizations that I had to do in life um, that are necessary. You know, uh, people think that hey, this guy lives you know his life and he also has his plane and flies everywhere. I had to make a lot of choices. I had to uh, you know let go of uh, uh, some some other dreams or even postpone them so I could actually enjoy this now. And I'm sure every pilot out there, every GA pilot has a different story and their own journey and how they got there and how they sustain it and how they see them in the future. But for me, it's like, this is what it's important in my life now. I know exactly what I have to keep doing in order to keep funding it, in order to keep having the time to, uh, um, you know, enjoy it, to, you know, fly, play. I want to fly, you know, I want to go places. It takes time. It takes a lot of planning and I want to make sure that my life, in my life, I have the necessary time and the resources to keep doing this for as long as I can, um, uh, you know, for for the, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned something else that, that really struck a chord with me. And that was when you called flight schools and, and you chose the one that had that warm reception for you. And I think that's the other thing that would be so wonderful, um, if we could make more ubiquitous and, and consistent throughout general aviation, when that first tentative prospective student pokes their head through the door and knows nothing about general aviation, how they're greeted, how they're mm-hmm. welcomed into our world there. And it's often the person who's like, you know, manning the desk might just be someone covering it, just doing their shift at it. And it needs to be magnetic. It needs to be someone who's so excited that someone came through the door that you made the biggest step like welcome you're this is all going to work out for you come on in um <laughs> exactly. tell me about your experience of how you of getting started uh, there uh with flight training yeah so um i think uh, you 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 mentioned that uh you know for most of us the avia- aviation is a dream that starts when you're a kid and it doesn't matter if you if you actually get to do it as you're a teenager, most people join flight schools when they are 15, 16, uh, even, even though they can't get their license until they are 17 or 18, if I'm not mistaken. But they start soon. Others start like me at 35, and others start when they are 50. 
there, there's a, a channel on YouTube that I remember referring to all the time. It's, I think it's called Over 50 and Learning to Fly, which is amazing. <laughs> Uh, it's about a guy who was 50 and just learned Let, Let's go easy on us over 50 folks, all right? So, yeah. <laughs> I'm almost there, so go for it. Yeah, even ancient people do this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think what's, what's amazing is that no matter how old you are, the minute you step into a flight school, or maybe in, like on your intro flight, the minute you sit on that plane, you go back to being that child, you know, that started dreaming. Uh, you suddenly you're learning something completely new. You are like diving into books and studying the stuff that you did in college and in school. You're back into it. You're learning math again. You're learning aerodynamics. You're learning mechanics. You're learning all of these things. Get, having to go through tests, prove yourself, which oftentimes is something that people, you know, past their 30s or 35s or whatever, you, you don't have to do it anymore. You're just like, you know, you're just set in life and you're just, you know, cruising. Um, so you go back to being that child. And, and on that, my, my first day, it's actually a, 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 an interesting story. I made, a, I, I booked my first lesson with an instructor. Um, I didn't know him, but um, I looked at, uh, I saw a bunch of instruct the instructor's names on a sheet and I had to put an X on the instructor that I wanted. And I remember I went, I, I went back home and I went to YouTube and searched for the flight school. And when I, when I found the, the, the flight school's YouTube, I believe it still exists, um, there was a bunch of videos made by this one instructor uh, who was taking like kids flying on, their, on an intro flight. And I looked at him and I'm like, I like this guy. This is, I want this guy to be my instructor. So I put an X uh, on his name. So I show up on set date, date and time. Uh, it was like a 7 a.m. on a very cold Saturday. And I got there. I'm the first student uh, uh, to arrive at the flight school and he's the first CFI. We get there, we sit down, we start talking aviation. I talk about myself. We hit it off. It was perfect, you know? And uh, so the big moment comes and we, he briefs me, this should be your first lesson and why not? Let's go to the plane. So I go to the plane. He helps me pre-flight. We jump on the plane and mind you, this is a very, very cold day. First flight of the day. Uh, it's Piper Cherokee uh, sitting outside it's like freezing. We try to turn the engine on and it won't catch or like it didn't catch at all. We tried like six times to the point where the CFI was like, well, I can't try anymore. It's like flight school rules. Let's go back. So we go back and I'm like, what happened? You know, um, am I going to fly today or not? So um, I went back and uh, turns out that, you know, like the, the, the I think the, the plane had whatever issue with the starter or whatever it was, we couldn't fly. So he said, listen, I have a couple of more uh, flight lessons that I have to go through on different planes. Wait for me. I'll get back here and we'll go flying. So I arrived there 7 a.m. for that lesson. I waited until 4 p.m. that day, sitting on a couch, watching students come and go, CFIs come and go, because they had their flight lessons and the other planes were flying just fine. And in the middle of the day, I remember the uh, flight school owner came to me and said, listen, uh, I have another instructor for you to fly with if you want. So you're not sitting here every day. And I was like, I, I want to fly, but I want to fly with that guy. Like, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to change instructors now. So I chose not to fly. I sat there for like whatever, how many hours it was, probably more than 10 hours. And he came back. And it was the last flight of his day. He's like, let's go. 
the planes are warm, everything's good, let's go. And it turned out to be just perfect because it was just calm, you know, calm winds and, you know, the, the airspace was quieter. Uh, the pattern was much quieter too. And we, I got to do my first lesson that day. And uh, it's a day that I'll never forget because, <laughs> mind you, um, I, I was there to take a fly lesson at 7 a.m. And I waited the entire day. All of this happened without me telling my wife or anyone else that it had happened. So at one point, <laughs> everybody's like, well, he should have been back by now. What happened? You know, like what's so I, I come back, I land. It's already dark. And I don't know how my wife was able to get a hold of the flight school owner. If she found the, the, the name, the phone, I, I, I didn't do anything. Uh, 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 she actually, <laughs> the minute I walked back into the flight school, the guy had her on the phone and she, and he's like, she wants to talk to you when she's really mad. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my day one of flight school. Uh, oh man. man, talk about like, and, and, and to think you committed to it after that. I mean, how many people would walk away going, um, if this, I mean, knowing, not knowing much about aviation, if this thing can't start, you know, <laughs> how do I feel about flying with it? I mean, that, that's, you know, to the uninitiated that don't realize that it's easier once you're flying, that's not a problem. Uh, I can imagine that that in itself would have been a problem, but how did you bring your family kind of along to, for this part of your dream? Well, I think the first, the first part of bringing your family along uh, and, and uh, at that time <laughs> is to tell them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, it was just me and my wife here in the United States still is. And uh, I think the, the, the first way that she came along was to actually endorse me to do this and be supportive even though she would she would it would take her five months to even think about getting in the plane with me because I was a student she was always supporting me and you know just understanding that every weekend meant we weren't making plans to travel and you know go places I had to take the weekend to do my get my flight lessons in and she understood that included holidays that included any other free time that I had so that was the first you know way and then right after I got my private, uh, my private certificate, first thing I wanted to do is to take her flying. So this was like two days after I got my certificate. We get to the airport. It's super windy. Uh, obviously, at the time, I, I was like, well, maybe, maybe it's okay. Maybe it's not. But I actually sat there on the ramp, and it was super windy. I talked to a CFI who had just landed, and I was like, you know what? This is not the day to do this. So I waited another month until it was actually, you know, good. And, um, and then I took her flying. My wife in particular uh, is still is afraid of flying. Uh, even in, in airliners, she doesn't feel comfortable on the plane, even though she's done it so many times that it's like, well, okay, I have to do this, let's go. Um, but I'm, I'm really uh, uh, you know, fortunate that she had the patience of actually flying with me all the time so she could get into it and she could get more comfortable. I told her, I will do a special training with you, which is basically taking you along with me more as often as possible so you can get comfortable with how it shakes, how like how it sounds, how you know, how how it smells, how like everything. And I think that if if for anybody that wants to got their license and is eager to take friends and family along, I think uh I I, I would say this as a part of the brief that's long before you get to the airport. I think you have to know and be cogniz cognizant that people 
don't feel really comfortable in small planes. As a pilot, you are so into flying in, um, you know, like, and, and, you know, just whether it's turbulence, IMC, or, or any other situation, radios, you, you know, all of that, you are so into it that it's easy to forget that the person sitting, sitting next to you is feeling everything that you're feeling, but without being in control. And that's mm. a huge thing. You're just, you know, along for the ride. And, um, you know, so, it, and it takes flying them often and often and often until they get there. Um, today, I'm fortunately fortunate to say that my wife actually got not only used, but she likes flying. She sleeps during flights. She reads, she listens to music. <laughs> and most importantly, she knows that we have to get somewhere and she's okay. You know, right. so uh, that was a major, major victory in my aviation journey as well. It's fascinating that you point that out. You know, we had uh, Dale Klapmeyer uh, here on the show, founder of Cirrus, uh, co-founder of Cirrus. And he mentioned that when they were designing the Cirrus from the beginning, their whole design of that cockpit was for the passenger. It was putting in a, a big, you know, multifunction display back when that wasn't a thing. So the passenger could say, where are we? Where are we going? How are we doing along our route? And that's exactly what you said, you know, like paying attention to the passengers, what makes an experience that is good for them. And if it's an experience that's good for them, it's going to be something that becomes part of our lives versus, you know, being uh, a problem. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, I think in aviation, uh, and I think any pilot can attest to this, one of the biggest joys in aviation is sharing it with someone, you know, taking them on a flight, showing them how cool it is to go places faster than a car can get sometimes at some places that a car or even a boat won't, won't get you. And you still can get it with a plane and, you know, on top of all the views and all the experiences. So um, I think it's important to get your passengers there, you know, feeling comfortable with flying your plane. And I think the more you care and you show that you care about them, the, the more comfortable they will be. And that applies to uh, someone who never flew with you before, someone that flies often, I think showing that that you care and that you you have the enormous pleasure in, in sharing it with with them that moment uh, I think it helps them get more comfortable too and ultimately I think I, I mean I love flying alone but uh, I'll I'll take flying with somebody over flying alone anytime. That's that's so wonderful. I think a lot of people can identify with that, and it's 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 such a great feeling, and is the basis of what you actually do on your channel. And so, talk to me a little bit about that. What had you? You come from an advertising background, so clearly you understand advertising. And but what made you decide that sharing this via social media was going to be a part of your journey? I I thought I think that. Um, I come from a family uh, in which no one is a pilot. No one is even remotely connected to aviation. That also includes my life. So uh, aviation for me, ever since I was that five-year-old, um, it was something that I, I, I enjoyed alone without actually being able to share it with somebody uh, close to me. So when social media came, you know, came along and uh, I, I was like doing this thing that very few people do, which is like, oh, this guy's, you know, learning to fly. Um, I thought that it would be interesting to share with someone out there who was seeing this. And perhaps I could establish relationships with people that actually understood what I was doing, that actually 
um, saw the value or, or saw the, uh, you know, the, uh, the journey as something relatable or, or something, somebody I could talk to about this. And so that's, that's basically how it started. And if you go back, if, I don't even know if that's even possible. If you scroll all the way back to the start of my Instagram page, uh, there's actually, I think the first photo is a photo of me, a black and white photo that I took. I was sitting at Flight Safety, Flight Safety International Headquarters at LaGuardia, waiting to get fingerprinted. And I was like, this is the start, you know? I'm at, like, I went through a TSA process. Me being here actually means I'm committed to this. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do this. So, and from there, I was like, you know, taking photos of the planes on the ramp and me on the plane. I remember my instructor, uh, I used to take photos of me, you know, pushing the plane and trying to park it and, and messing it up and, you know, doing all the student pilot stuff. Uh, and I, I think like slowly but steadily, uh, I, I, I watched the follower count grow, not tremendously, but just, you know, I, I realized there, there were people that were interested in seeing that part of aviation. I used to find, I used to follow a lot of like accounts of like uh, aircraft spotters you know, at showing jets and, you know, airports and all of that. And the general aviation was something that wasn't really shared in social media that much. Um, so that, that vein, I think it felt kind of different. And the more I saw that people were gravitating towards the content, uh, which back then was basically photos of me just flying the plane, like a first person view of me flying the plane. Um, I thought it was, it started to give me the, not the confidence, but the motivation to keep sharing more and more and more. I think social media in the, the past three years evolved in a way, each platform evolved in a way that basically gave us more tools to tell, tell these stories in a different ways. You know, Instagram suddenly evolved to videos and then suddenly you had a whole different way of telling stories. Same with YouTube now, you know, now offering short, short form videos and all of that. So I think uh, uh, it just allowed me to keep playing with those, uh, those, those features and those tools. And back to what you said, I, I work in advertising. I tell stories for a living. And I, I, I figured that at some point I could use what I've been doing in my 20-year career in advertising or a little bit of that to actually tell stories about something that I'm passionate about versus a product uh, on a shelf somewhere, you know. And um, so I think that mixing those two things actually worked out pretty well. Uh, but ultimately, I think that people just started seeing me through social media. Hey, there's, that's a guy who, you know, di didn't fly when he was 16, uh, wasn't like waited a, like a long time to get started. He's just like me and he's doing it. So why can't I? And I think that's how that, that, that was the power of social media, really. I, I'm not the only one absolutely not doing this, but I think I'm doing it in a way uh, that, that people really gravitate towards, stick with me and, uh, you know, just uh, look, look forward to the next thing. And in turn, it gave me, my aviation journeys a, a whole new perspective because now I'm just not flying for myself and my passengers, but I actually fly. Uh, knowing that at some point there will be like 100,000 people around the world that will also be watching that in some shape or form. And that would be that will be inspiring them. Isn't that that wonderful? And one of the other things I really love about your story is that even though you are referring to this as being kind of like back then, you're not talking about going back 
very far. And so for all the people who have a message out there and are inspirational for themselves and would like to be like you um, and have the, an audience, it, the window hasn't closed on that. Uh, the window, you know, a lot of people, I think, think back and say, well, this person's successful because they were there at the very beginning or they were there. The, so early on in YouTube, they were one of the only first people to do flight instruction. Your story is fairly recent, right? That there was tons of people. A lot of people could have looked at that and said, this is completely saturated at the mm-hmm. time that you did that. And yet here you are, 100,000 followers and such a nice story just based on the content of what you're actually doing. And so in addition to inspiring people to get their licenses, I think your story helps inspire people who may want to share their story and someday be the next fly with Bruno uh, for themselves. Yeah. I I, I love to think that people actually sometimes ask me, not sometimes, quite often, like, what's the secret of growing on social media? What's like, what did you do? I, I, I promise you, I don't have any magic tricks nor I use any, the one thing I do, and it's probably the one equi- uh, formula to this whole equation, I post every day. And it didn't start as a means to grow, but just as a ritual. Like I wake up, um, you know, I, I make my coffee, I sit at, uh, in my living room, and I post. And I've been doing this consistently for the past three years. And I think that, um, you know, th- there, there may be, some magic tricks that you can do to grow fast or grow quick. I've never worried much about them. I just worried about whatever it is that I'm sharing. It has to be genuine. And the passion that I have for this, for aviation, needs to come through loud and clear. I'm not pretending. Uh, um, I'm not pretending to be more or better than I am. In fact, uh, for anybody, everybody that follows me, they, they may know by now that uh, like a good chunk of the, the the content that I share are mistakes, embarrassing situations, me, you know, just showing things that I could have done better or not. And I think that's, you know, that's a part of being a pilot. That's a part of, of the learning curve, like the endless learning curve that, that, that we have as pilots and uh, ultimately it becomes relatable. Right. So uh, I think that that's, that's my formula. People ask me, how can I grow? Like, how, how can I get to a hundred thousand followers like you? And I'm like, just, you know what, just post and make sure that your content shows how much you want this and, and, and how much you love this. And I think everything else will happen as a result, as a natural consequence of your passion for it. Yeah, well, you, you put a smile on my face when you talk about obviously posting mistakes and things like that. One of the best videos you have posted or things is when you got trapped in your new Grumman. <laughs> <laughs> For yes. anyone who's not familiar, please tell us that 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 story. And of course, I, I used to fly a Grumman. They are so close to my heart, and so it 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 warmed my heart to see that little funny story. <laughs> I'm uh, sure it wasn't fun at the time. Yeah, well, it, it was quite unique. Uh, I think at, at, at this point, I I, I want to believe uh, for the good of that that the whole world knows about that story because it's circulated so many times. It keeps coming back. Um, but, uh, what happened is in one of my first or early flights in the Grumman, um, I, I, uh, I locked myself in by accidentally closing the canopy with the external lock in the lock position. And that happened because I had an issue with the lock. Sometimes it would lock, sometimes it wouldn't. 
And on that particular day, I decided to mess with it a little bit before my flight. At one point, I gave up, and I didn't realize I had left in the lock position. I closed the, the, the canopy from the inside, and sure enough, it, it, it locked. Uh, I would only realize that two and a half hours later, coming back from my flight on a cold night on a Sunday at uh, Brookhaven Airport, which at the time was my, my home base, there was not a single soul at the airport. And as I started to analyze my options, I was like, well, what do I, what do, I do here? Do I wait for somebody? And so I turned my radio, my handheld radio on, and I actually called the frequency, the CTAF frequency, hoping that someone would be at the airport, even, I don't know, driving a car, maybe closing up their airplane or something. Um, and, but to my surprise, this guy flying actually come, came back to me and said, I'm five miles out, I'm practicing approaches or whatever. Do you need assistance? And I said, no, I have this, uh, I have this problem here on the ground. And like, I mean, how do I explain that, right? So I have an issue here on the ground, but it's fine. But don't worry. And he's like, no, he insisted. Like, what's wrong? Like, I can't help. And that's why my infamous radio call, like I'm, I'm trapped inside my plane. And this is recorded. You can still find it on live ATC. Um, I, I'm, I'm trapped inside my plane and I, I don't know what happened, but I, I can't get out. And obviously that guy, I, I heard him jiggling on, on the radio, but he's like, listen, I'll land it and I'll help you out. So sure enough, this guy lands. Uh, he had never landed at that airport before. It was night still. He taxied all the way uh, uh, to my to the plane where I was. He got out of his plane. Uh, and actually, uh, I was able to, um, I realized that the, the lock, the, after he climbed on the plane and he looked at the lock, and I asked him, what's the block position? And he said, oh, it's like horizontal or whatever. And I realized, well, that, that's what happened. Like I left it in the block position. So I had to crawl all the way to the back of the plane, open the baggage door from the inside, uh, which in the Grumman is just like an emergency exit that you can't take. And I handed him the keys so he could <laughs> climb on the plane and actually open it from the, uh, from the inside. I... I made a video about it because I, I had cameras rolling. I was filming that flight. And every time I land, the last thing I do is turn off my cameras. It's kind of like part of a mental checklist. Uh, engines off, masters off, avionics, everything, cameras. And obviously, I, before I even reached to the camera, I reached to the canopy. It didn't open and it completely, you know, took my, my mind and all my attention. Cameras were rolling. The radio call is recorded. And I was like, well, let me put a video about this, <laughs> not only to show how funny the situation was, but how nice that guy was that, you know, just like the, the, the example of camaraderie uh, uh, in aviation, like that moment right there, a guy landed at a different airport to help a guy that he never knew or talked with, but wanted to help. I think that speaks a lot to the aviation community. And that's why the message I wanted to get across. But obviously, uh, <laughs> I think the world just decided to, you know, joke about it. And when I mean the world, I, I mean, like, that video got, like, I don't know, 300,000 views on YouTube. You know, people saying that I, I was, you know, like, it was my mistake and everything. And it was. It was my mistake. And, and I, I make that very clear on the video. But um, I just think that it was just a funny situation that actually – set the tone for who I wanted to be or who I, who I was in social media. You know, this average guy who became a pilot, he's sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly. And that's what aviation, that's what becoming a pilot is. And uh, I think that set the tone for everything else that I've posted since then. 
<laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Your um, the other thing, of course, are, are the stories that you tell of some of these great adventures. Tell us a little bit about some of the cool places that you have flown and shared with people through your channel. I think some of the one of the most beautiful flights I've ever done is was over the uh, Niagara Falls. I learned that you could fly over the Niagara Falls. There's special there's a special VFR procedure to do so which I think is amazing. You even go into Canadian airspace uh, and all of that. So every time I, I, I find, you know, like this interesting thing that you can do with the plane safely, of course, I'm like, I'm going to do that. And uh, flying to the Niagara Falls was one of them. Um, obviously, um, I happen to live in New York. And when, you know, the, the, the skyline round in New York is probably one of the most amazing flights you can do over a city. And uh, I've done it so many times because it's in my backyard and I also get to share that. Um, and, but I think one of the most fulfilling things uh, as I started to become a pilot is, or when I became a pilot, it was like, I'm going to fly further, farther distances. I'm going to go places. So first time I went to Sun and Fun, flying the entire East Coast all the way down to Florida. It was such an amazing thing. And then the, the, the following year, I did it with my wife. And uh, we stopped at first flight airport, which was also amazing. So on, on another place that, um, you know, every pilot should visit at least once. That's like where it all happened, you know, uh, uh, the, for the first time. Flying to Oshkosh uh, last year. The first year I didn't get to land in Oshkosh. The second year last year, I actually flew the Fisk arrival. And uh, that was such an amazing thing to do again with my wife on the right seat. Uh, you know, enjoying the moment, seeing the joy in my eyes and everything. Um, so, and, and then on our way back to, to New York after the show, after the air venture, we took the long way. We went to Mackinac Island in Michigan and then Putting Bay, Ohio, just, you know, doing all of these. When, you, when you're flying your plane, there's so many different routes and places you can stop and you can go. And I think uh, some of these adventures, my most memorable adventures are some of these that I just shared because the freedom, uh, the, 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 the achievement of getting somewhere, I plan to go there. I made this flight plan. I planned the flight. I'm taking a passenger with me and we got there and we had a great time. We spent the weekend or maybe just a day or a few hours grabbing a burger and back that fulfillment as a pilot, it's, it's, it's such a great achievement and I, I it, it never gets old. It really never gets old. It is. It is. Really, uh, it's just wonderful. And and sharing destinations with people and showing them the cool places that they can go is another thing, of course, that connects us here in, in general aviation and gives us missions, which I think is is something that we all we all need. Yes, yes. And mission. Speaking of missions, I think one of my the most memorable flights also um, wasn't on my plane, but I was able to I was invited to join uh, pilots to the rescue mission. Uh, these pilots who go rescue animals in shelters in the south that are overcrowded and they they have no other option than to euthanize the animals when they don't have anybody anywhere to go and this organization actually has planes and they fly to these shelters uh take the some of these animals and fly them north where shelters have more capacities and these animals actually have a chance of getting adopted and i joined them in one of those flights flying right seat and that was a, such a memorable flight as well, because you just mentioned, we're always looking for a mission. And uh, among all the missions that a pilot can have, I want to go to 
a new airport. I'm going to challenge myself with a shorter runway. What I'm going to fly to, I don't know, just test, test your, your abilities as a pilot. It's a whole different mission to actually get to save, potentially save a life. And, you know, I know that angel pilots, angel flights, for instance, I, I, I can't think of a, a, a bigger mission as a pilot, as a, as a GA pilot, than actually using your plane, your knowledge, your skill sets to find and help somebody potentially save a life, a human life. And that's, I think that's the, uh, uh, the, the, the most beautiful mission a pilot can have. I'm not there yet, but I, it's something that I want to do as a part of my, my pilot journey in the future. Yeah, it is such a wonderful thing when we can use general aviation to to support people to help in rescue efforts, to help in angel flights, or with as you mentioned, uh, with with flights for animal rescue, et cetera. Um, it's it's extremely rewarding and 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 wonderful that those things exist. Yeah, I agree with you. So uh, let's talk about your plane for a minute. Because it's really cool. And as I mentioned at the beginning, I'm a huge fan of Grumman's. Um, tell me about how you, how, you came, how you got the plane and, and what it's been like to, to own it. Well, um, after I got my private license, um, I think uh, my, my instrument training was one of the hardest things I've ever done in life. And quickly after I, I finished, I realized, well, I, get to do, I have to do this often, often, really often, so I don't become a rusty or a dangerous pilot because you know it takes a lot of training um so at that at that point in my journey in aviation i was renting planes almost every weekend uh and uh, but you know putting pen to paper it just didn't make sense to keep spending the money renting planes it was actually cheaper um to or i would spend less money let's put it this way owning my own plane not to mention all the knowledge and learnings that come with it like you know maintenance and, and actually being a pilot caring for a plane versus just you know renting and making sure that nothing's broken when you when you when you go to fly it so um i was looking for planes at that point you know i finished my 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 instrument rating and i decided that i wanted a plane and because my entire training had been done in piper cherokees and cessna 172s and i'm probably speaking to 80 90 percent of the student pilots nowadays or in the recent years i think they uh, we all trained in the same aircraft i was looking for either of those two aircraft, either a Piper Cherokee or a Cessna 172. Starting my search, I like uh, I, I was a newbie. I, I didn't really know how to start looking for planes. I went to all of these websites that have listings, but you don't know exactly what to look for, what the red flags could be. So I, I found a, a Facebook page. Um, I think it has like 9,000 followers. Avi aircraft sales and buys, it's just a weird name, something like that. And I decided, I posted a picture of myself and I said, I want to buy a plane. This is my mission. This is, I, this is what I, I want the plane to do. Um, and uh, I would love your advice. Well, I think in a matter of hours, I had like 500 comments, people suggesting all the way from Piper Cubs to Airbus A380s, you know, <laughs> and uh, like, every, like, I'm selling my plane. You, you need a Comanche. No, you need a Bonanza. You need a, and I'm like reading all these comments. I'm like, what do I do? You know? Uh, and I, one guy actually reached out in my DMs like, uh, and, and said, Hey, I saw your message. I know a guy, a good friend who's selling his Grumman Cheetah. He's in Long Island. I know I, I, I told them I, I was in Long Island. So she, he's kind of close to you uh, and he hasn't advertised it yet. So why don't you call him and, you know, go take a look. So I called him. His name was Kevin. We're friends to this day. Really nice guy. A very experienced CFI. 
a charter pilot in the Caribbean. And um, he had bought the plane for his son, uh, who didn't really fall in love with aviation. So the plane was sitting, you know, for the most part. Uh, so he's like, yeah, I don't know if I want to sell it, but I might because, you know, I want to, you know, uh, uh, redo my kitchen or, you know, wherever that was. And I said, okay, let me, let's, I want to, I want to see the plane. So I drove to the airport and I'm, I'm away, I'm driving there and I'm like, am I crazy? Like I'm actually going to look at a plane. Am I ready to own a plane? Is this even, you know, feasible for me? Is this a rational decision? Am I acting out of emotion? So is this really for me? And I drive to the airport. I drive all the way to the, the plane that's parked on the ramp, tied down. And I found the guy's car. I parked right next to him. And I looked at the plane. Uh, I hadn't seen a picture of it, anything, you know, uh, let alone the, 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 the tail number. When I got there, I looked at the tail number. I remember, uh, uh, you know, like paying attention to this. It was 9984U. And I, I saw the 4U and I'm like, it's like it's talking to me, you know, like it's, <laughs> yes, like it's for me and it's, it's like for you. So uh, I, I'm not a superstitious guy or anything, but I, I, I know I pay attention to that. And I sat on the plane, he showed me the plane and everything. And we went for a flight, quick flight. And I, I fell in love. You know, I had never flown a Grumman. I wasn't particularly looking for a Grumman. I, I think I failed to say that this was a Grumman Cheetah that, that, that the guy was, was selling. And uh, I obviously had heard about the Grumman's. I, I remember associating Grumman's with the canopy that you can open in flight and all of that. Um, that or were later on. Sometimes maybe not. Yeah, sometimes maybe not. Or sometimes you walk, in, <laughs> walk yourself in. Um, but I, I was like, you know, this is such a cool plane. And I think the most important feature of the plane, other than it being it look, looking like it was in a good condition, you know, and well-maintained, it was, that, it was that it was right there, you know? It was 60 miles from my apartment. I could see the plane, I was the first there. When you're looking for planes, chances are you see one that you like and you realize it's all the way across the country. And by the time you call somebody, you pick up the phone to call the, the, the seller and ask something, somebody else has made an offer, somebody else already beat you to it. So it's, it becomes really a race. So for this one, I was like, I can't let this opportunity go because nobody knows that this plane is on sale or will be, and this guy is willing to sell it to me. And I, I was so fortunate to walk into uh, a very good deal. Not only he sold me for a very reasonable price at the time, this was sort of like in the middle of the pandemic, but also the plane was so well-maintained and it had been, you, you've owned Grumman's and I later learned this, Grumman's uh, have to be taken care of and, and, and the maintenance, maintenance in Grumman's requires some special things. and I didn't know about this, but this particular plane had been through the hands of some of the best Grumman mechanics in the country. Um, and, uh, you know, to this day, it's there in the logbook. And so I, I didn't know anything about mechanics. I didn't know a first thing about uh, looking at an engine and, and, you know, seeing things that red flags or stuff like that. But this plane, you know, was just such a, a blessing in my life. And the, 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 so I bought it. Uh, the, right after I bought it, it got, like it, it came with a fresh annual and I started flying it, you know, being really mindful that I, I wasn't particularly uh, proficient in that model of plane. So I flew the parent like a thousand times, you know, just getting a feel for the plane, seeing how it behaves and everything. And it took me a long time to actually feel comfortable in taking my wife on a flight. You know, I wanted to make sure that I knew 
everything that I, I had to know about the plane and all of that. But I, I think that the rest is history, really, because the, 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 everything, every single experience that I had with that plane, again, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I think I shared through my channels and, and, and my, you know, my Instagram. And people actually know, uh, it was funny, uh, uh, yesterday, somebody reached out to me on my Instagram and said, hey, I am a controller in Vero Beach, Florida, and I just saw your tail number. Are you, are, are you, are you landing here and spending some time? Come to the, come to the tower. I want to show you around. And I'm like, I'm not in Florida. And then the, the person took a picture of the, uh, the, the stripe with the, uh, the strip with the, you know, the IFR flight plan and everything. And it was 9948 uniform. And it was so close, you know, but, you know, it, it actually became the, the, the tail number actually became something that people, oh, 84 uniform. Hold on. I know that from somewhere. I get called on the radio all the time. Bruno, is that you? You know, or like, hey, I know you, I follow you and everything. So it's been such a joy. And to your point, it's such a lovely plane. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? And, and what do you have in the panel? Well, I, um, I upgraded the entire panel. I wanted it to be a very, uh, 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 a very solid IFR platform. When I got the plane, it had the usual six-pack uh, with an old Garmin 430 and uh, that was had sticky buttons. You had to press every button three times to actually get, get it to work. Um, but, and I think uh, on my second month with the plane, I had a vacuum pump failure. I was in, in VFR. Uh, I was, you know, flying the plane back from a, uh, an air show uh, in, up in Montgomery uh, County uh, in, in New York. And the minute I pulled the power to, you know, enter the pattern and actually, you know, uh, reduce the power to, to turn base or whatever it was, my, my, my attitude indicator went nuts, you know? And, uh, so I landed the plane and was like, well, I think it's the time for me to upgrade the Spano. It was something that I had already planned on doing. And, um, again, being a very low time pilot who knew very little about avionics in general, I asked the avionics guy at the airport, uh, for advice. Like what, what do I, what should I put on? What's, what's worth it or not? And he said, you got to put an Aspen on it because it's a great bang for your buck. You have two instruments in one. It fits right on your, on your, the hole on your, on your panel, the three, three H, uh, three eight hole in the panel. And, uh, you're going to love it. So that's what I did. I also put in a uh, replace my, my Garmin, uh, the old, the old Garmin 430 with an Avodyne, mm -hmm. uh, 550. The same IFT 550 that we fly behind. Exactly. Which is a fantastic, fantastic unit yeah. as well. Uh, and uh, right after I started flying with the, that new panel, uh, it was a mix of, uh, you know, an, uh, like a six-pack with the Aspen and the, and the Avidine. It was just a, a whole different plane. And, uh, you know, I felt more, much more safe uh, knowing that, you know, like I, I no longer had a vacuum pump that would fail on me. I actually had an instrument that's far more reliable uh, and, and, you know, just with a, a bunch of new information and data right in front of me. And... Um, I was, uh, I think I flew with a, I flew the plane like that for two years and just six months ago, uh, I went through a second panel upgrade. I wanted it to be all glass and I loved Aspen and Avidyne so much that I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with this. I, I added a second screen to the Aspen. So it became the Evolution 2000. So it's the Pro Max BFD and the MFD. Um, the Avidyne, my 550, continues to be the, the brain of the panel. I added an engine monitor from, uh, from uh, uh, DDM900 from JPI. 
and now it's kind of like a full glass panel. And uh, speaking of which, I was so excited about the news that it just broke. I didn't know about this new features, you know, with, with the autopilot. Which You're going to have extended runway center lines now. <laughs> I was like, you know, it was quiet here. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> but um, I will say this, and um, I think people sometimes think that upgrading the panel is just this fancy thing that, uh, you know, we put on the panels just to look nice. Um, it's not. It's actually about reliability, safety. It may be a better pilot. You know, I feel more comfortable and confident in flying through different kinds of weather, uh, different places. I mean, the situation awareness, I think, is one of the, the, the most important things a pilot can have. And the amount of situational awareness that uh, equipment like the Aspen plus the Avidine gives you with like either synthetic vision, weather, terrain, and all of that, it's such an amazing platform for you to fly with. You know, I had actually, uh, 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 I know I, I know a guy who flies an A320, He's an nature training captain, and he was actually amazed to, to see the panel. He's like, wow, like not even the Airbus has, you know, some of these features. We actually have, need more equipment to achieve the, the same thing that some of these uh, new uh, GA avionics allow us to have. So it's, it's pretty impressive. Well, Bruno, thank you so, so much for joining us tonight here on Social Flight Live. I, I absolutely love what you've done with your channel, how you're inspiring people and it, it, it's just wonderful to watch. And I hope everyone continues to watch everything that you do. I know I certainly will. And uh, I'm sure next time that we see you and have you on here, you'll be at uh, 200,000. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jeff, for inviting me for this opportunity. I think it's, it's such an honor to be on your show, especially knowing the other guests that have been here uh, uh, in my place, the guests that are still to come. I know, I think you have Rod Machado next week, who's, I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, yeah, I watched you're doing my outro for me. This is great. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, Rod Machado will be here next week. And he's such a lovely guy. I've, I've been watching his videos since forever. And uh, right there, uh, a guy who, you know, who just learned that aviation can also be fun or at least decided to show the fun side of aviation a long, long time ago. And uh, I think ultimately everybody needs to know this aviation above all, it's fun. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be joyful. And that's the side of aviation that I always care to show everybody because aside from all the hustle, all the learning, all the, uh, the effort and the time and the energy that we put into becoming safe pilots and the fact that we are always learning, there's a fun side to it that shouldn't be left aside. And that's what I try to show, you know, like um, aviation is just the, the, the most amazing part of my life now. And I will do it for as long as my health and, and my wallet allows me to. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us this evening. I really appreciate it. And I wish you the best. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, everybody. Good night. And uh, I'll, I'll be on for your next show. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> And to all of you, thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to join us here for another episode of Social Flight Live. And as Bruno mentioned, we will be back next week on Tuesday, February 7th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, as always, with Rod Machado, as he mentioned, the legendary Rod Machado, aviation educator and humorist. Oh, my God, I love him to death, and I'm thrilled that he is a friend and uh, it promises to be a wonderful episode. On Tuesday, February 14th, 
make a Valentine's Day plan somehow to join us here on Social Flight Live because it's going to be a really special show. We will be joined by Tammy Jo Schultz, the pilot of Southwest Flight 1380, the 737 plane that actually lost its engine in a catastrophic failure, an uncontained engine failure, and it was truly uh, uh, her skill uh, and fortitude uh, of the crew of that aircraft to get it down safely. It's a story not to be missed. That is Valentine's Day, Tuesday, February 14th at 8 p.m. Eastern here on Social Flight Live. We're then off for a week and back on February 28th with Ramona Ramona Cox Sky Chick, as you will see her on there, which uh, she just has so many stories. I love her to death and cannot wait to have her join us here on Social Flight Live. Until next time, thank you again. I'm Jeff Simon for Social Flight Blue Skies. 